At this time, I'd like to introduce our guest speaker. Um, he's a real man of God, and I've come to know him and love him over the past few years. Him and his wife has been coming to Bellevue, and they live down on Victory Schoolhouse Road, and we're glad to have him, Mr. Steve Bowles. All this singing about needing God this morning, I guess I'm pretty, that's pretty acute to me right now. I need Him probably more than anybody this morning. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer real quick. Heavenly Father, may the words of my lips and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable, O Lord, in Thine sight, our rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I don't know if uh, it wasn't in the, the uh, program, so I don't know if you all know. I'm preaching on forgiveness today. Um, maybe not in a way that, that some of you all are used to. Um, and my intent never be to offend anybody or to hurt anybody. I'm just going to try and put out what the Lord has put on my heart to say to you through His Word. First thing I have is, is a question. Um, why did God send His very own Son to die such a horrific, horrible death? Did He do that? Did He send Him down here to heal? He certainly did that. To cast out demons? He did that too. Maybe to bring back the dead, that was a huge miracle. Or perform His other miracles, walking on water, um, changing the weather. Um, he certainly did all those things. And then He died a horrible, horrific death. A death with the amount of suffering that most of us could never even comprehend. He did that so our sins could be forgiven. And that's why God sent Him. God sent him to forgive us, to forgive our sins. He sent and allowed the most gentle and innocent person to ever live to die the most horrific of deaths. I think probably most of us have, have watched The Passion of the Christ and we witnessed the brutality that was put on Jesus' body. I know for myself, I, I can't hardly watch the movie without crying, thinking that, you know, that the sins, that the beating that he's taking is the sins that I put on him. And does everybody remember the part where Jesus says, he asked God, why have you forsaken me? I've read that it's because at that moment, when Jesus was at his worst, the worst pain, the worst suffering he had been in in his whole life, because of the sin that was on him, God had to turn his back. And that was the first time that Jesus had been separated from God. God in his perfect nature can't abide sin. He, he can't have it around him. Jesus had to die so that our sins could be forgiven, 
so that He could have a relationship with us. Without what Jesus did, God could not abide us either. I'm sure you all have probably also seen, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I mean, I love that movie. It just It's so funny to me. And I think about Delbert when he went down to be baptized. And he goes down in the river and he comes back and he's so excited. He's, he can't, you know, he says, you know, all of my earthly transgressions have been forgiven. And he says, even when I knocked over that Piggly Wiggly back in Tennessee, one of the other guys says, I thought you said you didn't do that. He thinks about it for a second. He says, well, I lied. But I've been forgiven for that too. And he's just so happy with that forgiveness. And I think a lot of us when we're baptized, I know for me for sure when I sat in the, in the baptismal and, the, and was waiting you know, to be baptized, I looked down at my feet in that water and I thought, you know, if I had been there on that day, Jesus would have, as nasty and horrible as I am, Jesus would have washed my feet too. There's that happiness that comes with forgiveness. So, why is it then that we don't forgive? And I, I struggle with this probably as much or more than anybody in here. Why don't we forgive? I think part of it is because first, you know, number one, we're hurt. And in the moment of hurt, we want to hurt back. It's our natural defense. Somebody lashes out at us, we want to lash back. I think secondly, we don't trust God to deal with them. We don't think that you know God's going to take care of it. We think they're going to get away with it. Or we're impatient. We don't like God's timing. God might not even deal with this person on this side of, of heaven. You know, while they're still on earth, they may not ever get have to pay for whatever it was they did. The movie Bruce Almighty, um, he talks about, you know, he wants somebody to be smitten. So he tells them, smite them, almighty smiter. I, I think sometimes we're that way. Another reason I believe is that by not forgiving them, we feel like we're wielding some great power over them. You know, I'm never going to forgive you for whatever. We arrogantly feel, number four, we, we arrogantly feel that we don't deserve to be forgiven, that they don't deserve to be forgiven, and tell ourselves that we would never do what they did. And don't we all have some level of unforgiveness? I know I do. It's the whole reason I picked this subject to preach about this week. As soon as Tank asked me, I knew that this is what I was going to want to talk about. Last week, I listened to TJ. So I was on my drive back. And he talked about a walk to Emmaus that Paul took. And Paul was on his way to Emmaus to punish early believers. He wanted to catch them and he wanted to punish them in his righteousness. 
And I had some people hurt me very badly. And I wasn't going to wait on God. I wanted them to suffer now. And I told everybody, everyone, everywhere, everything they did. I tried everything that I could do to make them suffer. I wanted them to suffer the way that I felt they had made me suffer. And I got to a point where I thought that I had forgiven them, but I kept returning to the hurt in a circle. Like, like the Bible talks about a dog returning to his vomit. I just kept going back and back and back to it. To the point where I began to have some dark, evil, bad thoughts. And I had a friend, um, and she said, you know, you should talk to your counselor about that. She wasn't a Christian, but I did what she said. I called and I talked to a counselor. My, she was a Christian, and she recommended a book, and it's called Total Forgiveness. It's by a, an author, a pastor. His name is R.T. Kendall. I don't know if any of y'all have ever heard of him, but he was actually born um, on my birthday, July 13th, 1935 in Ashland, Kentucky. And he was the pastor of the Abbey, um, the Westminster Abbey in London for 25 years. And he's written several books. This book, and I tell people, you know, it, like the Bible, the Bible changes your life. But this book didn't just change my life, it changed my perspective on people and why people, what their motivations and their feelings and how I, how I view them. It helped me with my feelings and unforgiveness. Very sadly, I still sometimes blindly lash out in anger in the moment. But with reflection, I'm able to see and understand with empathy what brought a person to where they are what made them say or do what they did, even if I don't agree. I think that's hard for us, you know, seeing the other person, especially if we're angry in the moment or sometimes years later. It's hard for us to see what the other person might have been going through or what they were thinking when they did, whatever it was that offended us or hurt us. Brings me to my next question. Do we have to forgive? I mean, we think about, you know, what about the person who did such and such to me? In our Sunday school this morning, we were talking about all the things that happen in traffic. You know, the guy that's doing 55 in the left lane and you're behind him and you're in a hurry and you need to get by. And, and this guy, he's just, he knows you're back there and he slows down. We get frustrated. We call them bad names. We, we think horrible thoughts about them. And what about that person? Or it gets worse. What about the person who slandered or abused my child? How about the rapist or the murderer? How about Hamas and what they're doing to Israel right now at this moment? 
What about a drunk driver? Or a drug dealer who was responsible for the death of one of our children or one of our loved ones? Must we forgive even them? Well, let's see what God's Word has to say on that subject. According to ChristianGist.com, the need to forgive is mentioned 130 times in the Bible and more than 80 times in the New Testament alone. It seems like God, through repetition, wants us very much to forgive. So let's see some examples. If you'd like to use your pew Bible or if you'd like to look, or I gave it to Josh. I think he's going to have it on the screen. Let's turn to Matthew 6, 9 through 15, where Jesus is, is teaching his disciples to pray. He says, pray like this, our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, Jesus made sure, not just that He put forgiveness in the prayer that we all, does anybody in here not know the Lord's Prayer? Jesus made sure He put that in there. And not only did He put it in there, He made sure to come back after He was done and say, If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So it sure seems like it's important to Jesus. Next, let us turn to Matthew 18, 21 to 35 to see about the answer to a question from Peter. Then Peter came and asked him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please, be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him only a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him, begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. 
but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the, king, the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to give your brothers and sisters from your heart. I don't think that Jesus used 70 times 7, meaning, you know, that. I think that he used it because that was Peter's example. I think he meant that we should always forgive. I mean, can you imagine, you know, somebody who keeps doing whatever it is and they get to that 490th time and you think, now, now I don't have to forgive you no more. Now I can, I can just be hateful to you and want evil things to happen to you. And so I don't believe that that's what Jesus meant. Let's look at one more. I mean, I could look at 70, what, 77 or 78, 80 times more, but let's turn to Romans 14, 10 to 12. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. I firmly believe that part of the personal account that we give to God will be why we were unforgiving to people who hurt us, especially in the light of what we know about Jesus and how badly He was beaten and crucified and as he was crucified as he hung on that cross he prayed for God to forgive the people crucifying him will unforgiveness hurt will unforgiveness hurt us in our earthly existence i truly believe it does i know in my own walk it creates distance between me and my Savior. It takes my happiness away. It makes it hard to concentrate on what I'm doing. I can't enjoy the moment. I can't be happy in, in whatever it is that I'm doing. Because I keep going around in that circle. Last year, was a year ago in March. Um, one of the people who hurt me um, came back into... They... I'm trying to do this without judgment. They tried to get back and, and brought a lawyer and uh, I contacted my own lawyer and found out that not only... Could I 
stop them from doing what they were doing, but that I could also um, get some measure of revenge on this person. And during that time, LD had given two messages. One of them was about if someone asked for your shirt, give them their cloak also. And it was also about we Christians don't sue Christians. And another one was about turning the other cheek. And still, this person had, had through the years, gotten away with it and gotten away with it and gotten away with it. And here they were with a lawyer demanding more. So I had decided that I was going to take my lawyer and I was going to do everything that I could to make the situation, you know, to make it go away and make it better, hurt the other person. I got home that day and Betsy was sitting at the table and she said that she would support me in whatever I decided. She would fight this person with me till the end of time if that's what it took. She would get a job, which would mean she couldn't go and visit her family when she wanted in order to support me, in order to make this happen. But she said she thought in her heart that I was making a mistake and that Satan was up in the middle of it. And I trusted her and I believed her and so I dropped it. We went so far as to pay the other person's legal bills. Not, I'm not saying this to, you know, say that I'm, I'm great. I'm not. Since that day, I have suffered through thinking that they're getting away with it again. And when Tank asked me to pray, I knew exactly where I was going. I reread the book, Total Forgiveness redoubled my efforts to try and be more forgiving. I just felt, again, like they were going to get away with it again. And let me tell you, it actually hurts the person who's suffering through that unforgiveness more than it hurts the person who... I'll get to in a moment. They probably don't even really care whether you forgive them or not. And I really don't want the weight of unforgiveness on top of my already hefty bag of sins that I have to go to Jesus with. I'm going to tell you about one of the most happy people I ever met in my entire life. She smiled everywhere she went. She, you couldn't go to her house without being fed. I don't care who you were, what you had done, what you had said, what she knew about you. If you came there, you felt like you were her best relative and the, and the most wonderful person that ever lived. That was my memo, Lizzie Bowling. You could tell her the worst thing that somebody said about her or the worst thing that somebody did 
she had a nephew that she didn't particularly care for. Um, came to stay with us for a while when I used to spend my summers there all the time when I was a kid. My mamma had this beautiful Persian rug that my aunt had gotten her, and she loved that rug. And he fell asleep on the couch with a cigarette and dropped it on that carpet, and it burnt a, a big hole in it, which says nothing to the fact that he could have burned the house down. And her favorite phrase was, ah, he didn't go to, meaning he didn't mean it. She'd say, if you told her that somebody said something horrible about her family, she'd say, they just didn't know no better. She could not believe that anyone would intentionally hurt her or anyone else. She just couldn't believe it. It wasn't, wasn't part of her makeup. And uh, I felt at times that she was way too far that way. But again, man, that was a happy woman. What total forgiveness is. Total forgiveness is completely letting the other person off the hook. Total forgiveness is not doing anything to get any type of revenge. Personally, I kind of like revenge. I love revenge movies. Anybody ever seen Count of Monte Cristo or read the book? It's amazing. Guy, he, he's got everything going for him. Some people who are jealous. They're evil and jealous and greedy. They take it all away and have him thrown into prison. He serves a bunch of time. While he's in prison, he ends up finding a fortune, escaping, and using his fortune to met out vengeance on all of his enemies. It's just, that's my kind of movie right there. But we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to let God do that. That's his job. We don't run around and we don't tell what happens, what somebody did to us, because God doesn't tell on us. Think of all the things that God knows about you, all the sins that you've committed, all the bad things that stay with God. He doesn't reveal them. If you must tell somebody, tell one person that can be trusted. Something happens to you and you need to talk to somebody. Talk to your pastor. Talk to someone who can be trusted to keep that. And know what's in your heart when you do it. If you're doing it solely because you want that person to be thought badly of or punish them, then that's not forgiveness. Obviously, if it's a crime, if it's something criminal, you need to tell the authorities. This is the hardest part, especially for me. We're supposed to pray for them. 
to be truly blessed, and we have to mean that from the heart. And I'm sorry about anyone who has suffered heinous acts. I really am. I, I mean, I can't even imagine the amount of forgiveness that you'd have to go through if someone has you know, done some of those things that I mentioned earlier to you or your family. But please, let that person, let that instance quit hurting you. Don't carry that burden of unforgiveness on top of what was done to you. Because it's about you and your relationship to God. It's not about them. It's not about whether they deserve it. It's not even about whether they even want it. It's about you and God. They don't need to be told that you've forgiven them unless they ask for it because it could get ugly. I mean, the person may not even realize that they've hurt you. You could go up to them and say, I forgive you. What for? Well, you did this. So? A lot of the people who have hurt us in some way, they either don't know or don't care. If they do know, they probably don't care. They don't think what they did was wrong. And what total forgiveness is not, it's not forgetting. I, I, you know, especially, you know, you think about some of the heinous stuff. Somebody says something horrible about our children or hurts them in some way. I don't know that you, for, you forget that. And it's not making it like it didn't happen. It did happen. Again, that's probably not possible. But according to that book, and I believe this, part of the gift of forgiveness is knowing the hurt that was caused and choosing not to hate or hurt back. That's true power. Jesus did it for us. Don't forget to forgive yourself and forgive God. For me, it's much easier to forgive someone else than it is myself. Because I know my feelings and my heart and my motivations. I know when I walk up to people who hurt me, and I have, the smile that I put on my face several times was not the smile that I felt in my heart. I know what's in there. So it's... It's harder to forgive when you know what's in there. However, Jesus shed his precious blood to forgive these sins too. And I can't be so arrogant as to not forget to accept his forgiveness. And do we think that God doesn't need forgiveness? How about if you begged him to save someone dying from cancer? Or your marriage? Put anything you want in the space. I love him and I trust him and I know his ways are better than anything I can imagine. But that doesn't mean I haven't hurt over some of his decisions. 
in my life. I'm going to tell you about my mom's last real good day. It was a day after Thanksgiving. We knew she didn't have long. She had about 31 days. We knew what she didn't have long. We didn't know that then, obviously. And somehow we got on the subject of my Aunt Pat. She was getting Christmas decorations out and putting them up, and I was helping her. And... I told her that she needed to forgive my Aunt Pat for many things that my aunt had done and said over the years, mainly against my mom's kids. My mom said what a lot of us have said at one point or another in our life. I will never forgive her for what she said and did. And we argued back and forth. Finally, I yelled at her. You're going to be in heaven very soon. And you're going to be judged by how you judge. And I don't want that for you. She screamed back at me. She yelled. She cried. And I apologized. I still feel guilt over that. Because that was really, I mean, to tell you the truth, that was the last real good day she had. After that, it was, it was horrible. Cancer just ate her alive. But... The day before she died, she forgave my aunt. She let her off the hook. I tell you this so you can see how passionate I am about this subject. It's important. Please don't let unforgiveness separate you from God. Please don't let it hurt your salvation. In closing, I'm going to pray using Ephesians 4, 17 to 32. So pray with me. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly passes, practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then generously give to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, 
as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And please, Lord, if there's anyone in here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, if they have questions or want to make that commitment today, or if they want to pray or be prayed for, please come forward, myself or someone will be happy to be with you. We ask all of this and we give you thanks to your Lord. In Jesus' name, and thy will be done. Amen. Thank you all very much.